depending on how many showings I have, depending on what I'm doing that day, I always set at least up to a certain five number for cold calls. So either it's five, 10, 15, 25 cold calls. And if I don't do that, I feel horrible the rest of the day. And that's something that you got to lock in with or else you're not going to move because being an agent and being a salesperson is very outbound. It's a very, it, you got to almost pray to God and thank God when somebody actually calls you and says, hey, I got a deal for you. Hello, everyone. This week on Overdue, we were joined by Fernando Aragon, an up-and-coming realtor from Chicago. We dive into Fernando's journey into real estate, discussing the challenges and successes he's encountered. Fernando also shares how mentorship has been crucial in his professional growth. We wanted to add that a lot of you guys are listening but aren't following. If you want to be notified about our weekly episodes, give us a follow. Also, to help boost us in the search engine rankings and help more young go-getters like yourself discover this community, taking the time to leave a review goes a long way. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Overdue, where we cover the stories of certified product starters and ambitious entrepreneurs, from college students to accomplished professionals. Anyways, 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 speaking of sales, I mean, well, you're talking about Hormozy, right? Did you actually go through that course? No, I haven't, but it's, it's on my tabs I somewhere in the like 60 I tabs that I have. Ha- has there been any supplemental pieces of education outside of the actual doing like, I mean, whether it's through a mentor or whatever it may be, that, I mean, like a book you've read or like somebody that, someone within real estate content you constantly watch, where you like kind of get a little bit of insight and then apply it to what you're doing? Yeah. So at my brokerage, we don't have much sales training. We don't have much. It's a, so we got an older guy and he's okay with me saying that, you know, is I my managing broker. So he doesn't help us as much as an other brokerage would. So I got to sort of look out on YouTube and other platforms to help myself with sales, help myself with being a better agent, social media. So there's a guy, his name's Brian Corelli or something on, on YouTube. And he's strictly for uh, real estate and he's cold calling. So I learned a lot from him and it's been really huge for me. Like I've cold called now because it's winter. Sometimes during the summer I door knock, but right now it's winter. So like, for example, I used one of his tips like two days ago. He mentions to sort of be okay with not having the deal and say that so that the other person feels like, oh, he's not so pushy. He's not so salesy like the export lady, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so one thing that he'd say was, if this doesn't work for me and you, we can shake hands and leave as friends. I said that like two days ago, and we're planning on getting the listing for the lease next week. So... It's there we really, go. exactly there we go. right. So it's that's somebody that I really aspire to be. Um, so watching his content for free is really helpful, especially because I don't have that information around me. So I do have to seek it out. Yeah, for sure. And it's also, do you also see deep into the future with it where you're like, okay, like quite literally, if we do leave this and we're just friends, what you're 20, right? I'm 20. Yeah. And like three, five, seven, 10, 20, 30 years that might be a customer for me at some point later. Yeah. So if you just deposit goodwill over time, not in any like transactional way, but if you just build those relationships with people that, who knows, maybe they recommend you for their father or their sister or their cousin, whoever it might be. Like that's when like it can really, it just makes sense. Yeah. You know, I don't know why it doesn't seem like the strategic, the strategic way to go for some people, you know, like the uh, other export person that yeah, we were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. before this. Yeah. 
I mean, they know at some point they can maybe, maybe you'll want to get a plan. Yeah, he'll, right. He'll, you'll buy the plan from him. Never at some point, bridge. that guy himself or, like you said, his family is going to want to buy or sell a house. And then exactly. they know a realtor. I have a question though. Mm-hmm. What you said? You said you like door knock or you like cold call. Like, what is that? What is that like for like realtor? Obviously, I'm assuming you don't like knock on a door. Be like, hey, you want to sell your house? Like, I got you. <laughs> I do. No, I don't. <laughs> no, what, so, like, like, what is cold calling for like a realtor? Yeah. So for me right now, I'm we're cold calling strip mall owners because one of my clients just recently sold his restaurant. Because um, I'm saying this smoothly because I use it every single day. This is my pitch. Hi, John. This is Fernando with Alexander Realty. I was calling about your property at 123 Main Street. I got a client who just recently sold his restaurant uh, in the area, and he's looking to put his money into a real estate investment. I was looking at your property at blah, blah, blah. Uh, have you guys ever thought about potentially selling, or do you have any of the strip malls in the area? And then I wait, and they start talking. Oh, no, we're not interested. Uh, wait, he has a restaurant? Uh, we have a space available. No, 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 he's not looking to put his restaurant, but I'd, I'd love to list it. We can put it on the CoStar, which is owned by LoopNet, and it, everybody in the world will see it. So there's ways for me to still get business outside of just the pitch. But I like that pitch a lot because it's not closed-minded. It's very open. I give them a lot of information. They can take it in, and it's not, hey, John, do you want to sell your property? They can just say no. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, right? So I like that pitch, and then for door knocking, I knocked on 1,500 doors in Winnetka. I watched, I watched that reel on the way over here. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he, was, he was like, check out his Instagram, watch the reels. I'm like driving, and I watched that one. Damn, Dude, Winnetka, I, you run into a spectrum of personalities there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them were older fellas, and they were really nice people. I got a lot of, you're a little young. I am. It's true. It's pretty obvious. When I'm knocking on a door, I didn't have any of this, this, or this. So it was like... I was 18 years old when I was knocking on doors. It was just me giving them a market update. And some of them were like, oh, yeah, great. But what I didn't, what I made the biggest mistake with that was when you're doing that, you got to continue hitting those doors. So they see you and they recognize you out on the street, walking their dog at church. You have to really be in that neighborhood and kill it in that neighborhood for them to trust you because you're young. And most people who are older have a lot of money, they already have a good network of a top realtor, a top attorney, top accountant. So they're going to use them. So some 18-year-old, it was it was a very, 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 it was a Hail Mary for me. But I wanted to go for it because I saw, honestly, somebody else on YouTube did that. So I was like, screw it, let's try it. So I did 1500 um, It didn't work at all. So I started doing Dunning, this area, and now I'm sending newsletters through email. And now I'm planning on going back in the summer and knocking on the same door so they see me twice. So, and then again, every quarter, right? So I'm trying to build that door knocking as well outside of just family deals, uh, referral deals, because that's new, new, new money basically for me. Yeah. What's, what's interesting to me is, so I actually had a door to door sales job this summer too. Oh yeah. I was, uh, setting solar appointments. Awesome. And a little contrast I see between the two is it was a little bit harder for me to do because I'm selling a product that isn't myself or my product, right? And so at times it was a little bit, they'll ask me a question and it would kind of challenge my belief in the product. And because I'm not the one that's actually making it or supplying it, maybe I didn't have as much confidence as I would want to because yeah. it's not me, right? Mm-hmm. But with you, it's different. You are actually, you're like, hey, like this is me. I'm the only person you're gonna talk to with this. How 
much easier or harder, I guess, to that make it when you were at those doors having those conversations, knowing that it's you that you're selling, I guess. Yeah, it's it's really not an easy thing to start knocking on doors or cold calling because I still kind of believe in the back of my head that I am disrupting their day, that I am sort of annoying them. But when you go and you knock on doors, this is how I make money, you know? So I have to just change that mindset into I'm helping them. I'm providing them with the market update that they can potentially use. Or if they do need to sell, I'm at your door, right? So you have to change the mindset, even if in the back of your head you do think that you're sort of ruining their day. But in reality, they're not because you're, they're going to forget you in like five minutes. So it's okay. Um, so that's sort of the mindset shift that you got to go with. Uh, for sure. Well, okay. So we're talking a little bit about you as a realtor and door knocking and uh, cold calling and all these things. But could you provide us with a little bit of a timeline on when your real estate career started? I know it was 17, right? Yeah. At St. Pat's. Yeah. So what exactly did that look like? When did it start? How did you get into it? And maybe provide us with a couple of checkpoints along the way of sure. telling the story. Sure. So yeah, I started at 17 when I was still at St. Pat's. I was a senior in high school. So I would right go through uh, the regular day through Zoom because it was COVID. Uh, and then at 3.30, I'd get to the office and I was an intern at that point. So I was writing contracts. I was going to showings with the other broker at my uh, brokerage. I was going to inspections, closing. So it was just a good way to sort of put the seeds into my real estate career. Um, and then after that, I got my license at 18, like a month after I turned 18. I had to take the classes, which take about a week and a half. And then I went through that. And I think it took me like two months for me to get a lease done, an apartment lease. And then it took me from August all the way to January to get my first sale, which was land. And it's still the most expensive land sold in River Grove. It's like $86,000 for like two or 3,000 square feet. Damn. Wow. There so we go. I got, yeah, the, somebody called me like a month ago. I mean, a month after I closed that, it was an appraiser. And he's like, man, all the other comparables are much lower than yours and i was like oh great thank you so much i was like sure because sometimes appraisers will appraisers will call you to see why the discrepancy was so big so that's why i said okay what confidence is that infusing you because if that's your first one and then somebody's telling you like hey like this is this is bigger than we've seen how did you pull it off you're like damn like i'm 18 man what like what did that do for you at the beginning man confidence to the sky (laughs) so i took that and started running with it in a sense i started doing a lot of cold calling before I did door knocking. So I cold called expireds and expireds and for sale by owners. So what expireds are, are when you sign a listing for a house, you're going to have say six months, sometimes a year, depending on what you guys agree to, to have it on the market, have your sign in front. And when it expires, it shows up on the MLS, which is the multiple listing service. What you see on Zillow is what we see. So um, I was calling the people that just expired and I was basically giving them a pitch. Hey, it's Fernando with Alexander Realty. I see that you're probably just expired when you guys are interviewing agents. Um, it didn't really work at all. Uh, so that stopped. But I called everybody from like 2022 back to 2020 that expired. So I was trying to kill it. It didn't really work that well. The um, You said... So and then after that was the door knocking and that's sort of where I started picking up steam. Um, I got people that were looking to lease. Oh, my, my niece is looking to lease something or they actually might do want to sell their property. And then I can go with that. Um, yeah. 
Was there was there like a specific moment you think that so so you mentioned how like the door knocking is where you kind of like started to pick up speed with it after like so that was after you you had like your first sale and everything was there like a specific moment in there that you felt like okay now I'm starting to like get get on track with what I really want to do yeah yeah well something that <laughs> it's interesting Andrew Tate actually said was <laughs> if you're at like the bottom in a sense in your business and you're like you're not making any money you're unmotivated maybe a little sad because you're not killing it yet once you start making money that all goes away because now you see a way out you see it actually works Mm -hmm. and then it starts you start to kill it once you make money yeah and you got that pretty quick right compared to a lot of other realtors right so that was what at least that first land sale that was the your first sale was the land right and that was in january 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 and you had officially gotten your license in what month? In August. Yeah. Of the previous. Okay, so it actually was a pretty while, a pretty was, long yeah. time. And then also, I mean, during COVID, you were already getting prepared in high school for a long time before that. But was there at any point there when? So like you're working, whatever you're going into the office every day, and when you don't see result, that was eight months then, right? Some somewhere around there. August. No, you're thinking April. No, no, no. Like when you started going into the office in high school. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was Super Bowl, February until August when I got my license. I see. So it was pretty much almost a full year, right? February on, they're kind of making all these deposits, like these blind deposits where you're like, this will pay off one day. This will pay off one day. It was probably easy in those months to be like, okay, like, damn, I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing any returns yet. Did you ever encounter some of that friction of like, hey, like, maybe I want to do this or I want to do that? Or was it just always real estate and you just had this confidence that would work out? Yeah, so my goal is always to be an investor. And that's why I chose my brokerage because my managing broker uh, is a big time investor. He's a Cuban guy, born in Cuba. Fidel happened, went to Miami for like a week, (laughs) came to Chicago. Uh, he was cleaning plates at the Hilton Hotel in downtown Chicago until he started a uh, jean business with his father. So funny enough, his father was not interested in jeans so much. I think he was interested in like skirts or dresses, one of the two. So he sent his son, my managing broker, to New York. He was like, go get these skirts, go get these dresses. He goes and he's like, no, but dad jeans are the big thing like this was i mean 1960s or something jeans are the big thing they're going to come up so he went to new york and bought the twenty thousand dollars that his dad gave him in jeans came back to chicago he's like you might think i screwed up but no these jeans are going to work he sold them on like a week and then that's when he noticed the jean business is big business and then they just killed it killed it killed it into so much money that they needed to put it into investment real estate so they can get debt and then they get at lower taxes pretty much it's it's sort of analytical and a lot of numbers but it works out really well to go from a business owner with a lot of money into real estate and then that's how it grew into 300,000 square feet of industrial warehouse space and it's worth about 20 million dollars now damn yeah. wow damn so they killed it he's so, a grinder yeah. <laughs> so i take it being a did you have him as a mentor yeah okay i see and then that's what instilled that hey like this is all gonna work out mindset exactly yeah so how like how important was that for you and i guess how did you meet him too yeah so i met him um from my mom actually she worked at a bank called banco popular in melrose park 
and he was the owner of the building so he would always because he had an account at the bank so he'd go in and everybody loved him he was giving out christmas gifts so this guy's charismatic humble great guy always creating out gifts and my mom knew him for all that time um i was really young like we'd see him at costco when i was a kid and stuff so you always see everybody at costco <laughs> yeah, no, right? that really is how i see people i haven't seen for years in there i know continue i love costco but um so she gave i gave him a call after many years and somehow he remembered me he was like oh the kid with the glasses i didn't always have contacts uh oh the kid with the glasses i was like yeah yeah um because he had worked with my brother a little bit my brother wasn't so interested in that so he was like yeah come by so i think the next day i went over to the office and we just started talking about what i was interested in in terms of stocks because he had a hedge fund as well uh stocks real estate and he just started teaching me things gave me books i still read to this day 10 pages a day so it comes out to like a book a month so he just started teaching me and i also learned a lot from the other broker that i have david um so yeah mentorship is huge in my opinion if you want to have a big business you have to have know somebody that's willing to give you the information that you would have learned in years he can just give it to you in seconds yeah, mentorship is something big that a lot of people talk about. Um, but have you like gotten the chance? I'm assuming you want to in the future, obviously mentor someone since like yeah. your mentor was huge. Yeah, you got to you. pay it back. Yeah, yeah, pay it forward. Yeah, um, right, exactly. Is ha, have you like gotten a chance to do that yet, or how? Yeah. Yeah. So some people in my family um, want to learn about investment real estate. I've also helped very close people to my fam in my family invest in real estate, and it's 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 grown a lot it's really something that people want to learn but they just don't have the information and luckily i can provide that for them because my managing brokers from indebted to him billions of dollars truly because he's helped me so much and he's helped my family he's helped my friends right yeah i also think like some of the like i was watching some of like your instagram reels on the way over here i think those are like kind of helping like put out the information on there because i think it was like the most recent one that you posted it was about like how how fdha loan FHA. FHA. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it like told you the minimum amount or whatever. And it was like a credit score of like 580 can get a loan or whatever yeah. for a house. And I was, and I get thinking about that now, that's kind of like the same thing, except you're using like Instagram as a platform to kind of broadcast that out to however many people want to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. But touching on, or yeah. Yeah. So my guy, John Volpe, was the guy who was there. He's my mortgage lender. If I ever get anybody that wants to buy a house, go to John. He's a top producer. He does over $50 million in mortgages every year. So he's he's always killing it every year. So I trust him wholeheartedly. And he was the guy that was telling you guys that in the FHA video. And yeah, you mentioned FHA. So FHA is pretty much the easiest way to get into real estate for multifamily, which is one to four units or just a single family house because all you need is three and a half percent down which if you're going to put the average house in America is $300,000. So it's about $10,500, um, which is Damn, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah 10,000 bucks. And most people think three. you need 20% down and that's wrong. So there is closing costs that you have to account for. But for the most part, it's way cheaper than what people think. Is it possible in theory if one, if would we be I've seen? OK, what's that? I've seen that in comment granted in comment sections under videos like that where they talk about fha mm-hmm. loans that they're harder to get than than you think is that true no uh they're harder to get than conventional because when you're 
So say that you're selling your property and you get two offers. One is conventional, one is FHA. They're at the same price, same everything, even down payments. Say they're both at 5%. One thing that's different with FHA than conventional is that there has to be an FHA inspection. So something that I remember is when you break glass in an FHA house, it has to sort of like spider web instead of breaking in big shards. So little tiny things like that. And if it doesn't work out, either the owner is going to have to pay to change that or the person that's applying for the FHA loan is going to have to change that. So it just brings an extra issue that the landlord, the owner wouldn't want. So they'd probably rather go with the conventional guy. I see. I see. I see. Is, is there a reason that FHA, FHA like loans are so much? Yeah. So like, I guess more tedious or like right. whatever than mm-hmm. like yeah. a conventional one. So it's sort of seen as a way to help people who weren't able to get conventional loans so right you need a low you get a lower uh credit score minimum um, what credit score was it then can you just go through 80 damn that is low <laughs> yeah. okay okay continue you guys probably have higher credit scores than yeah. 580 so damn. um it's 580 i think it's 56.99 percent uh loan to income yeah so it's it's very, very lenient compared to a conventional loan. Okay. I see. So in three, for us kids that are in college, and I mean, we're in apartments, but we do know some friends that have their own houses, um, that they're just splitting rent. In theory, would it be very smart for them to actually apply for an FHA loan? Because I have a friend down there that actually house hacked. He paid for his own. Well, he I think he took out an FHA and then he also had four or five other people also staying in the house that were paying him rent that was going towards the loan. Is that a no-brainer for kids like us to do? I mean, obviously, it sounds all ideal, right? Things have to fall into place. But is there any, I guess, kind of asterisks that maybe somebody might not be aware of? Yeah, so sometimes. So I'd assume that the guy that you know had his mom co-sign, it probably wasn't him because he has to have some sort of income. So one thing that I love about multifamilies, so... Once you get over five units, it's com- it's it's commercial, and you need about 25% down, 30% down. So that's where the big boys play. If you want to go with multi-fam- multi-unit, it's one to four units, and that's where everybody can play, right? Conventional loan, FHA loan. So what I love about that is that when you buy, say, a four-unit, you can use and say that it's all rented out. And actually minus that. Say that three of them are rented out, you want to live in one of the units. House hack. You can use 70% of the income of the three units into your income. So say that you make $30,000 a year and the income that produces from the building is an extra 30000 To your lender, you make $60,000. So you get to apply for bigger property with that. So that's probably what he did. He said, hey, I gotta have, I'm going to have all these uh, tenants, which are my friends, and they're all going to pay X amount. So that might have helped him get the loan. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's like these things that you, I mean, okay, right now in this conversation, gears are turning. I'm like, wow, like this is, this is fascinating. This seems like so smart. Like, why would I not try to do something like it? But I feel like the reality is just so many people just don't, even if it makes sense, they just don't do it, you know? Yeah. Because in theory, I mean, we probably have friends at school that are kind of, that can't afford something like that. But, like, they just don't, right? And, I mean, obviously, there's other variables that go into it. You have to put effort into it. Effort needs to go to other places. But still, that's interesting to me that it's, like, I don't know. I don't know. It reminds me of the thing we were talking about earlier with, like, the simple but not easy. Like, it sounds simple, right? I mean, 
buy buy a place with a loan, get people to rent it out, use that income, put it into something else. But obviously, it's a lot more than just that, right? Yeah. How how many years have you guys been in college at this point? So well, he's a you're a year older than me, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. So, like so we're we're the same age. So yeah. we're both sophomores, and then yeah. perfect. Uh, so you guys have been in college for two years. So interesting enough, people don't really know this. If you go to college for two years, they can count that as work history. And once you get your job offer, they'll use that as your income. So in a sense, with just completing college, which is just two years, you don't have to do the four four, and then having a a job offer you can purchase a house with that simple as that as in like my tuition as my income no 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 they'll they'll use they'll use the job offer as your income so however much so say that you is offered finished, by the job correct so finish say that you finished your four year degree you're going to work in finance at some company and they're going to pay you $80,000 and they give you the job offer so you always have to get a job offer when you uh try and get a job right um and then they're going to say Austin is going to get $80,000, Microsoft, whatever. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, so they're going to, the lender's going to see that $80,000 and then they're going to be able to use that two years of school as work history. So that's just an added thing. You can use school as work history. Ooh, so that, does that like help you get the loan at like a lower interest rate then? So you need work history to, to get a loan. Oh, okay. That's okay. one oh, of the requirements. So it just fills one of the requisites. Correct. Oh, okay. 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 I see. That's interesting. So that way you could theoretically get a loan and buy a house right, right, out, of out, of, right out of college. Boom. Okay. Right. That's interesting. It, it, the conversation we're having right now kind of reminds me of, I mean, what you were hinting at. Like, I mean, we don't really know much. I'm in a real estate club at school, but that's just so different than actually working in the field, right? But when you can sit down with somebody that knows a lot about the field, all like the lingo, all the little nuances, all like the kind of like things that are hidden within everything. I mean, it's great for us because we get to, as you were saying, with your mentor, you get to hear what they learned in 10 years yeah. in just a matter of one conversation. But like one more thing I want to touch on with the mentor thing. So we're in college and we're blessed with, I mean, U of I is a great school. We're blessed with a lot of opportunities, pretty much just to meet awesome mentors, right? And it's a blessing in a lot of ways. But there are a lot of people like yourself that didn't go to college and it might be harder to find those people, right? They're not as handed to you. So I guess what would be some of your advice to somebody that is looking for a mentor that they need in their field that maybe didn't go to college? How would they find and reach out to those people? You got to get in those rooms, in rooms with people who have succeeded in your field, whether that's, like you said, a club, whether that's you, like, it can be so, so big. So something it's, it's in a sense talking about what you're talking about. If you want to get into luxury real estate, you got to be around people who own luxury real estate. You got to go to the country club. You got to go to their gym. You got to, you got to be around that area for them to know you. So it's the same thing. If you're a mechanic and you want to be the best mechanic ever, you got to go and learn from a mechanic. So you got to go to the top mechanic in your city, say, Hey, I want to learn from you. I'll do the work for free. So I'll be your assistant that answers the phones for the first month and then maybe i can start working on some cars and then at some point you're going to be at his level and then you got to find somebody that's higher than him or else you're going to stay at that level and then you can just continue to go up continue to go up that's interesting i think that's one of the reasons why okay this is it'll i'm gonna zoom out but it'll make sense why like a lot of people like that are try drop shipping fail or that try all of these things that are I guess these trendy jobs or side hustles is they're never around anybody else that's doing them. Cause I mean, if you're around, 
Like we have one of our friends that we're probably gonna have on in the future that is very successful at drop shipping. And if you're around him, like, do you really think you'll fail? If he's teaching you everything that he's done to succeed, do you really think you'll fail? Probably not, right? And I think that's something a lot of people go wrong with at the beginning is they just don't surround themselves with the people that are succeeding in that job. I think it's because people, people think it's hard to surround yourself around those people. And do you, do you yeah, think that's what it is? I think it is. I think people think it's, like like you said, it's if people think it's, oh, I have to go to this like fancy country club or like this fancy gym just to find these people. And then maybe they think like, if I go up to him and ask him like, hey, can I just like come shadow you for a day? You don't need to pay me anything. The person might say no, or like they, they just like don't really want to do it just because they think it's hard to do. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of stops people from like getting in, getting like in contact or in close. Yeah, yeah. I can. Them. Funny enough, though, about that, I can almost guarantee you, in any field, if you ask enough people, hey, can I mentor you? I mean, can I shadow you for a month for free? I'll do the dirty work, and then you can just teach me some things on the side. They at some point somebody will say yes. Yeah. Because they need that extra help, and it's free. Hell yeah! I mean, heck yeah! And a lot yeah. of people just want to give back. I, f- I mean, unless I've, yeah. you know, things change, totally. right? But when I'm when I get older, I'm gonna want to give back. Like if I had some high school kid, if I'm a realtor and I had some high school kid come to me like say, hey, like I really want to be where you're at one day, I'd be like hell yeah, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's awesome. And you're gonna find one of those people. I feel like I, there's a lot of them out there. It's again just like sales and numbers game. Yeah, and it's not like you're really being an inconvenience to them unless you're actually like a prick, like and, <laughs> and don't want to be like someone. Cut that, that out. What the? F- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. yeah. No, that's funny. Yeah, there's. I want to touch one more thing here. There's a kid named Nick Gershon. He's killing it on Instagram. He is in a Naperville. He's a Naperville agent. Um, and the way that he found his mentor was he looked at the top agents in Naperville, and then I'm sure you've seen him. I, I, wait, then, is he wholesaling? No, no. no. Oh, dude, is he, you're talking about another kid. Do you know what I'm talking about? That I know who you're talking is, about like wholesaling in Chicago. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Is he the kid who like goes on Instagram and like will, like show a house and be like this beautiful like Naperville estate or something? Probably. There, there's <laughs> like there's some kid who does that. Um, yeah, he's I, also really young. Yes. Um, that's Nick. like couldn't be over, t- like he's, 23. He's 20, 20. 21, I think. I okay, went yeah. to an event with him like a month ago, and he was telling me how he found his mentor, and what he did was he went. I think it was the top 10 Naperville agents and then he just sent a cold email saying I'm new to the business I want to learn can I sort of work under you and one actually responded to him and that's the one that he stuck with the one that responded to him does over 50 deals over 50 deals transactions as a real estate agent I think flips 13 houses on average and he has 25 units apartment building apartment units so you never know who's going to say yes. So it's worth taking the risk. Exactly. Yeah. Is that, um, is that like something you're, you're obviously right now in, you said this is like called Dunning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I live in Dunning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I don't know the. Uh, yeah, from Niles, bro. He thinks he's too good for us. <laughs> ah, Niles. Morton Grove. <laughs> oh, right. my bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. Um, Notre Dame is Niles. Sorry. No, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, Same patches in Dunning. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, so, you're obviously in this area right now. Is that like, is is do you plan to kind of expand into maybe like Chicago, like downtown? Because I know that's like yeah, that's, a lot of a lot I would of love. That's I would like, love to go downtown and be like a full time agent in downtown. That's like the coolest thing ever. Walking the streets and going yeah. to showings. Um, yeah. So the uh, the only way that I can do that is to start marketing in that area. Whether it's 
through social media, Instagram. I go in those places and start recording the area or do something like Nick Gershon. He started with mall videos. He started with, um, this is the, say the hip mall, right? This is the hip. It's got export. It's built in however many. It's got this much square footage. It's got these big businesses. And then he goes and records it. So I can do the same thing in downtown and start generating business like that. Or I can buy leads. And there's different ways for me to get into that market. But right now, I've been sticking around in this area. I love to go to downtown, though. Okay. So, like, my question with that, like, I would follow up was, so you mentioned, like, the guy on Instagram. He, like, reached out to a bunch of, like, Naperville realtors or whatever. Yeah. Um, is that like something you, you would also like plan on doing then for like Chicago realtors, I guess, or is that more just like a marketing thing? And like, once you get bigger, it's obviously though, those properties are obviously way more expensive. So is that, is that something like that? Yeah. So I I always say get a mentor for everything. Right. right? So the one, my mentor now for real estate, the older guy is more of an investor mindset. So he, he's never really been an agent so much. The other guy was more of an agent that I learned under, David. Um, so I guess in a sense, yeah, I probably would have to learn from somebody in downtown to get more experience in that area, the different buildings, different amenities certain buildings have. Um, I've gotten that from David, but in a sense, yeah, it would be smart for me to go and do the same thing over in downtown. I know you mentioned you mentioned social media, right? And if that's if you wanted to go downtown, that's how you'd do it. We were talking about it earlier, how at one point, what was like the thing that really set out a product or like what made a product, the thing that most people bought is now just kind of like the bar. Like that's what it needs to have for somebody to buy. And you said that that's been the case with real estate and realtors now. That was something that was pretty interesting. Uh, Would you just be able to talk about that a little bit more? I mean, contextualize the audience because obviously they weren't here for the conversation. Yeah. And I guess what the future of social media and real estate looks like. Yeah, so uh, another lender that I know, his name is Justin Rodriguez. If you look him up on Instagram, he posts maybe like two times a day, kills it on Instagram. He's about to hit like 4,000 followers or something. But one of the things that he says that's super true is I can go and knock on doors. I can go and cold call, but at the end of the day, I'm going to call one person at a time, one person at a time, one door at a time. When I post a video, he gets thousands of views. So he's talking to thousands of people in a sense. So it's a way for him to really leverage social media to see to get viewed by tons of different people tons of different home buyers and explode his business instead of doing the manual labor and he loves it that way but i love social media because i do a lot of first time home buyer videos right talking about fha and stuff like that so when i meet somebody out in the world I typically get their Instagram and then they'll follow me back and then they can start watching the videos. So it's almost like I'm working without I'm, without me working. And it just sort of convinces them that I'm knowledgeable, that they, they know me, they like me, they trust me at the end of the time that they watch all my videos. So that's what I use it for. Does it ever feel like you're, I'll elaborate on this. Do you ever, does it ever feel like you're kind of shouting into the abyss in the sense that when we're at school and we post episodes, we're around so many kids our age and the majority of our audience all the time. So we'll hear, hey, I saw this or like, I saw that. And like, I like what you guys did there. And it's cool because you kind of get that instant feedback, right? But when we come home for a break, whether it was summer or winter now, we're not around them. We're not around them every day. The majority of our days are probably spent alone, right? Yeah. And we don't hear it as much. 
But I mean, today I was at the gym and somebody said, Hey, like I've seen you been doing your podcast, but they don't like, like they don't comment, they don't share, they don't do any of those things. And it's very easy to be like, damn, like who is actually seeing this? But you do get reminded of it every here, like every, every, like now and then. Right. So does it ever feel like you're kind of just shouting in the abyss? You're like, who's really seeing this? Yeah. The the videos that get no views, (laughs) (laughs) those are the ones where you're shouting into the abyss in a sense. But yeah, even if, like you said, some don't comment, some don't like, some might even not follow. But interesting enough, there's a story that Justin Rodriguez, the, one of the lenders that I know, used. He said that he was, one day, he was driving in his car, and he ended up, uh, they ended up crashing into whatever, right? And there was somebody that had driven past that noticed his car because his license plate says cafecito, which means uh, coffee in Spanish. And the guy DM'd Justin saying, hey, I saw that you were in a car crash. Um, I hope that everything's all right. They had never interacted. They had, he had just seen that his license plate was cafecito and that he knew what Justin, who Justin was. And then he just saw it. Oh, that's him. I'll DM him to see if he's okay. It's almost like he's his friend. And they've never interacted. That was the first time they interacted. That's, that really <laughs> makes you think, man, because... I feel like that is kind of another way of saying what we, what like I kind of just said, where you don't really see the fruits of your labor when it comes to social media a lot. Right. You don't know the relationships you're building with somebody behind the screen because you never really have those face-to-face interactions with them. Yeah. And that's interesting. Yeah, and like for you, people may not be liking or commenting, but say they need to buy a house, they know they've seen your reel or seen your yeah seen your post people, and then yep. reach out to you mm-hmm. i had people people dm me i think on thursday i got somebody say i want to either rent an apartment in downtown or buy a condo so yeah I've, i don't know him he just dm me yeah so it works at the end of the day yeah and what also is pretty cool is i take it at some i don't know if you find yourself at i'm with park fest or something like that and you're walking past somebody from grammar school or someone that you haven't seen in years they're like hey like i've seen like the content you make like oh like how's that going and you're like damn like i didn't who, who are you like I, I did not think you were seeing this at all and it's those moments as like it's it's kind of like damn and one other thing that i guess i want to talk about a little bit is what i'll notice when i'll repost some podcast clips or yeah mostly when i repost some podcast clips i'll see my follower count go down a few right and then i'll see it go back up a few and at the beginning, it was kind of easy to get in your head and be like, damn, like, damn, you know? <laughs> but then I started thinking of it as a reshuffling of the people in my circle, of the people who maybe aren't, maybe not bad people, they're just not really aligned with, like, kind of the same things I want to do. And they're like, it's cool. But now the people that are in my circle now are the people that are on that same trajectory or at least support the trajectory that I'm on. And that was also something that was pretty interesting to me as well in this process yeah it i mean i don't think it happened as like directly for me like with the whole followers going down <laughs> yeah, and yeah. but well, i'm just i like i pay attention to every little number yeah no but i think i think like something similar happened um i'll like go to the gym and see people from my high school and i think they have no clue that i have a podcast so, like oh how's your podcast going I'm, like oh you know about it yeah it's going great yeah. <laughs> um it's weird bro it, it's 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 really weird because i mean i guess i have it in my instagram bio but like we don't really repost about it or really advertise it that much because that's just not like yeah. what we're about. Um, so it's just like weird when I see that people actually know about it. And I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of cool when that interaction happens. And 
I'm sure it is like with the DMs for you. Um, but yeah. There's one less, I guess, kind of theme I want to talk touch on a little bit, which we were talking a little bit before, but this whole theme of being simple but not easy, right? And you see it for a lot of things. And honestly, it's the same for pretty much everything within business. If you stay consistent, if you stay patient, if you build relationships and you do it for a long enough time, you are going to win, right? And that's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. There's going to be days when somebody gets mad at you and you want to cuss them out or something, but you got to hold back, right? And if you consistently make that decisions over a long enough time horizon, you're going to win, right? And we talk about real estate being under that umbrella of business, that that is very much the case for you, right? So where have you seen real estate be simple in the sense of, okay, you got to follow this one, two, three, four, five step thing and kind of follow these commandments. But at the same time, it's not necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. right? So how do you see that in your career? Yeah. So the easy stuff in my head is the stuff, honestly, that you see on social media, the showings, the inspections, the closings, because it's very one, two, three. The difficult part is the stuff you don't see. It's the stuff, the door knocking, the cold calling, the following up, right? Once you get a cold lead, you got to turn it into a warm lead. How do you do that? By continuing to follow up. And that's the stuff that sucks, honestly. But that's what I tell people. I told the other broker at my brokerage is you have to start doing a certain amount of things every single day. And I I do, depending on how many showings I have, depending on what I'm doing that day, I always set at least up to a certain five number for cold calls. So either it's five, 10, 15, 25 cold calls. And if I don't do that, I feel horrible the rest of the day. And that's something that you got to lock in with or else you're not going to move because being an agent and being a salesperson is very outbound. It's a very, you got to almost pray to God and thank God when somebody actually calls you and says, (laughs) Hey, I got a deal for you. It's never gonna happen. It, it sometimes does, but most of the time you gotta go and get it. Damn. It's a, it's about like implementing that into your daily lifestyle, right? Because yeah. I think we talked about this earlier too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you technically work for yourself, but you have to treat yourself like an employee. Exactly. Stay accountable. Um, and I guess that's like one of the only ways you can. Yeah. And then uh, for us in that same way, it's the okay. I got it. This video, maybe this this one thing. I don't like it. It's a little bit off. You know what if like nobody notices like it's who's gonna see anyway it's the nah like it's this little thing that i need to do right that if i do this consistently consistently if i make those cold calls it'll end up working out for me in the end it's so awesome to think dude like we're you're 20 mm-hmm. i'm 20 19 yeah same, same thing yeah like we're, we're so young bro i'm so excited to see what you're gonna do but also like everybody our age like yeah. we're growing up we're the we're the next generation which is really fuck really weird to think about right yeah but yeah i mean at this point we'll wrap it up uh thank you man like this has been great okay anticlimactic whatever but thank you brother for coming on this was a lot of fun i learned a lot and for all of you guys listening thank you greatly appreciate it and stay tuned for next week for our next episode thank you guys